Hey everyone, I just wanted to warn you ahead of time, this episode gets graphic, so this is your trigger warning. Please listen if you are prepared. goblins and ghouls and welcome to another installment of my haunted life podcast with me your host Angela Hartshorn this is your weekly check-in how are you doing did you tell someone you loved them today did you drink some water if not you should go do those things I just wanted to give you another reminder to send in your paranormal stories I'm going to start working on the special episodes probably next week. Please email them to me at myhauntedlifepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com for a chance to have your story be part of the special minisodes coming out every Monday in October. Also, if you are a fan of my cute little ghost mascot, I'm having a name contest for it over in the Facebook group. And there's some really cute options already, but I definitely think you too should contribute. Winner will be announced October 1st, and they will be getting a t-shirt with the little ghostie on it. This week is a little bittersweet for me. This is the last week of the Vampire Trilogy. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as Rain and I enjoyed talking about the dark, scary thing that we all know as vampires. So, let's get into it, shall we? Grab yourself a cup of tea, make sure the doors are locked and the sage is close by. I have a story to tell you. Vampires are timeless, not just because they are immortal. There is something about the vampire that will always intrigue us. Whether it is the fear of death or the arousal that comes from being in danger, they will always be a part of our culture. They are the classic movie monster, the cheap Halloween costume, the redemption story, and the evil villain, all rolled into one. But what does it mean to be a vampire? It doesn't always have to be about a bloodthirsty megalomaniac or being in a dark, smoky, clove-smelling nightclub. I think for a lot of dark, possibly awkward, usually artsy kids out there, it means community, family. It means finding your tribe. This tribe just happens to have an impeccable dark fashion taste. Community is everything. If you are feeling lonely and want to learn more about being a part of a vampire community, reach out to a local group. 
fine when their meetings or events are. They just might be your undead people. Now, that being said, on today's show, I'm talking about one of those bloodthirsty megalomaniac types. After a short break from our sponsors, I'll be back with Rain to talk about the number one queen bitch of the vampire world, my favorite, Countess Elizabeth Bathory. The bad bitch herself, uh, Countess Elizabeth Bathory. You call her mom. <laughs> mom, yes. Um, I'm going to do that from now on. Thank you for that. Um, so, I love Bathory. That was like baby goth Angela's like favorite thing on the entire planet. So I have to show you my ridiculous um, Bathory stuff. So, I have an action figure, actually. What? Right? And I actually know the artist. I met him at Steampunk World's Fair, and I almost shit myself. Um, My friend Aristotle can tell you this story. He laughed at me hysterically. Who designed the bathtub. So, I tried to actually build a bathtub for my bathory act. It didn't go very far. But, um, ask Candy. She was part of that act, too. And then, one of my prized possessions that I never wear, because I hate t-shirts. Here's our visual aid of Miss Bathory. And then, the family crest on the back. I contemplated wearing this for the podcast, but the one you said, uh, are we dressing up? I was like, nah, we should dress up. So, I try to my like best vampire type of feels. I love it though. I, I'm very '90s vamp. If I ever get the videos to work on my Patreon, y'all can watch. I gotta pull up my notes. Um, so Bathory is kind of a weird one. Um, she's considered like the queen mom of vampires, but there's really no evidence she ever actually drank blood. But she is so heavily influenced by blood. I think that's where the connection came from. And then the other thing with Bathory is, is any of it true? And I feel like that needs to be out there immediately. Because there's so many instances where is this just propaganda against the family because of the different religious wars and um, surf versus land odor owner issues that were going on at this time. There's a lot of it. Possibly none of it is real, but we're going to go into it anyways because it's fun. Um, I do want to add a disclaimer because trigger warnings. I'm not going to go too graphic. 
especially into, like, the sexual abuse. Um, but there is torture. There is some graphic detail later on. And, yeah, you are forewarned. We probably should have given that disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast, but... I'll do that anyway. I'll do it. I'll do it then too when I re- when I record more history. Um, so uh, she is considered uh, by the Guinness Book of World Records to be the most prolific female murderer, which is fun because you know we don't know. Um, so she was born in Hungary on August seventh, fifteen sixty. So this is way back. And she's born into a very wealthy, prestigious family. Uh, her dad is a baron in the area. Her mom is related to, like, the king of Poland. Uh, there's a cardinal that they're related to. There's several princes. Lots of royal blood in this family. And at this time, also as well, what do royals do? They inbreed. It's a thing. And... um it's believed that noble blood is superior to peasant blood. So that's why they kind of literally kept it in the family. Um, So usually brothers and sisters didn't marry, but it was like uncles and nieces and first cousins kind of thing. And if you're a student of history, you know, this did not help make the bloodline strong in any way, shape, or form. It did the exact opposite. Um, and it caused a lot of issues. You know, funny kind of tie-in. Yes. It, you hear more about the vampire square in the Northeast, kind of tying in what I just talked about. Mm-hmm. Actually use that same excuse, saying we don't have that problem here because we're not inbred because of how bad, how bad the Northeast was affected by the war. Oh, that they said, oh, it's because you guys are just inbreds up there. Oh, see, that's uh, funny. happening in the South. Huh. I, I love how people pick and choose important things like that to make note of. Yeah. That's, you know, it sounds like just like what happened in your history. We have it all the time. Right? Exactly. History repeats itself over and over and over. Anyways. Um, but, um, So there's lots of stories about her family members literally kind of being batshit crazy. Um, uh, There's a story of her dad. He would not move from this chair. He had a favorite chair. And I'm not talking like grandpa easy boy kind of thing. Or lazy boy, not easy boy. Um, But he literally would not leave this chair. He had to be bathed. Um, If you're not leaving the chair, you're excrement goes everywhere um that sort of thing that i don't know but i'm like this is so weird because they're constantly having to bathe him um and then her brother was supposed to be a sexual deviant who would get drunk and run through the town naked causing trouble um at this uh her aunt is supposed to be bisexual, which at that time, um, but supposedly taught um, uh, a young Elizabeth. I'm not saying it with the proper accent because I'm going to butcher it. So I'm going to say Elizabeth because I can. 
um, how to uh, make love to women. So, you know, you get very incestuous and creepy there. Uh, and the other side of this, this could all be propaganda against the family as well. Uh, there's actually no real documentation that any of this was a problem until her court case when she got arrested. Suddenly these stories started coming out. I think the, the naked brother it was a thing. I think people knew that. But uh, everything else was like, hey, you know, dad in that chair. So that was really interesting, I thought. Because um, I didn't know that either. Oh, that could have led to a lot of this. It almost sounds like Michael Myers' backstory. Right? So Bathory, uh, growing up, she was known to have um, fits of rage and severe head pain. Um, they think now it was probably epilepsy and migraine problems. I'm, I'm not sure if epilepsy is... Uh, can be caused by inbreeding. I don't know. Um, but this becomes one of the theories about why, one of the many theories about why she was killing girls that we're going to go into later was um, there was a treatment, you'll love this, speaking of drinking ashes, for what they called falling sickness. Um, basically having seizures. Uh, the idea was to rub blood of someone that was not inflicted on the lips of somebody who was, hoping that would help cure them. Or, um, mixing the non-inflected blood and a piece of the skull together and have them drink it. And that was supposed to be a treatment for epilepsy. Going back to drinking ashes for consumption. Huh. Fairly simmer. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Um, I think something... I have a huge interest in religious history and politics. So I definitely want to make a note of that. Because it definitely plays into her story. Uh, she was raised a Calvinist Protestant. And a big thing with them is... They believed people are preordained to heaven or hell. So no matter who you are, uh, what you do in life, you're already going to heaven and hell. So they also believe this kind of played in some, some of her actions already because it didn't matter. Um, where am I? So did that, I'm curious. I'd be curious if that like, you know, if you already knew or if you were already predestined, if that kind of led to some of your behaviors. Because you're like, well, I'm going to hell anyway. I might as well just... Exactly. And, I mean, it totally makes sense. It's like, why try, you know? It's already yeah, taken care of. Determined where to go. And it's funny because she's still fairly religious. Like, she would go to church every Sunday. And would be in the front row, which is important later. And um, never really had an issue until much later in life. Also at this time is when the Catholics, who are not Protestant, big difference, um, 
Protestants are literally a protest against Catholics. Totally got to butcher the history because we could be on that all night. Um, That's the best podcast this next season. (laughs) Right? Um, They're fighting with Ottoman Turks at this point because they're right on that border with Hungary. So they're fighting over uh, influence. So it's Muslim versus Catholic, basically, at this point. And as we have seen, even in our recent history, it's good guy versus bad guy is how it's portrayed by people. Even though that's very wrong, but whatever. And that, you know, you guys are heathens, and no, you guys are heathens, and it's okay for us to slaughter you because you're a heathen, you know, that sort of thing. Um, this is also the time of the early Renaissance period. Michelangelo, um, Queen Elizabeth, um, that sort of thing. So there's this huge reformation in science and education and right around this war that's happening in this area. So it's a really weird system that baby Elizabeth is growing up in and around. And she was kind of cool because growing up, she was taught like a boy. Her mom believed in teaching her all the classics. Uh, She was a trained horsewoman. Um, She knew how to fence. Like, yes, she was basically taught like a tomboy, which is so unheard of at that time. I didn't hear about these stories. Yeah. I mean, I went way, I told you, I went way too deep into this. Oh, cool. This is stuff I didn't, I mean, I knew some general things about her, but I didn't know this stuff. I didn't know she I mean, uh, uh, another thing that I thought was very progressive of her, uh, later, we'll get there, um, but, um, when she got married, she kept her name. Bathory is her maiden name. That's her born family name. And part of that is because her family was more prestigious than her husband's, but he also took the Bathory name. And even though it was a more prestigious name, it was still looked down upon. So people in court, especially men, would still call her by her married name. I had to look at my fake thing. Nadaski. Even though that wasn't her name. It never was her name. She was always the lady Nagaski to mess with her kind of thing. And also at this time, there's a lot of fighting between... Basically, the serfdom, the peasant class, and landlords. And there's peasant uprisings and riots, and then it's squashed, and then they make peace. And then, so there's a lot of unrest at this time between things. And during one of these peasant uprisings, um, it was very bad. I want to say this is about 10 years before Elizabeth was born. Um, you know, the peasants rose against the noblemen and got basically wiped out pretty good. They just got demolished, but they never stopped fighting, really. So the the noblemen were kind of forced to come up with a peace with them. And, um, wasn't really much of a peace. It really became... 
uh, you are now property. You <laughs> are connected to the land. Any future descendants are connected to the land. You cannot choose who you work for. You are born and you die on that land. Um, in exchange, we don't kill you. On the silly America. Right? Uh, there's definitely things where you're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Right? Um, so it is kind of this weird thing. And then if you, one of these peasants, if you went and spoke out against this, you're basically a traitor to the country at this point. And this is when the really awful um, medieval torture devices come in. The wheel, the rack. Um, one that was one I had never heard of was sewing a peasant into a dead horse. What? Yes. So um, they would kill the horse and stick you in the body cavity with your head sticking out still and sew you in and just leave you there to let it decay as a punishment. That's some like Star Wars shit. <laughs> right? And I hate to say it, I was like, oh, a tauntaun. But, um. It's like a tauntaun. Yes. Uh, yeah, Rick and Morty episode. We gotta kill him. I don't think I've seen that Just one. kidding, he doesn't have to get out of here. <laughs> So it's really, it's such a weird graphic image to think about. And yeah, we we're kind of like, we kind of laugh and it's like, what is because the horror of the situation, we're not laughing about this poor guy sticking his head out of a horse or anything. Of course, it's just not being able to really understand that. Anything comes from like right on the horse's ass? Ah, I don't know. I hope not, because that's awful. <laughs> um, uh, this is important because reportedly, one time this happened, Elizabeth witnessed this as a child. I think she was, it was before she was married, so I'm guessing like eight or nine. And she reportedly giggled the entire time watching this. I'm not going to say it every time, but again, you know, story that came out later, blah, blah, blah. We're just going to assume everything I say is a story that came out later. So she was actually engaged at 11 years old, which seems a little bit insane. Um, And then, huh? So I thought she was like 14 or 15, which was common in those ages. Well, yes, I think that's about when she was married. Um, so she was engaged at 11. It was made official at 12. I thought it was really weird that there's so many steps to this engagement. Um, and then I think she was married about f- 15. And when she actually had come to be married, sh- her parents had already died at this point. So suddenly she is the lady of these castles with huge tracts of land and wealth and it's all, I mean, all the wealth is connected to the land and property. It's not gold or anything. But um, it's kind of a huge change. I mean, you know, she was this fun little um, tomboy running around. And suddenly she had to be a lady of 
castles and manors and was expected to be so. Her first castle, this amused me, is called Suver Castle. It means uh, uh, mud, mud castle, because it's basically built on a swamp. Um, for, I, I'm not sure if this is the castle, I think it is, but uh, for her wedding present, her husband gave her a castle with 16 villages. So the way this land would work is you would have a castle and then all the land around it was owned by this one family. And on that land, there's 16 villages. The whole thing just seems insane to me, but you know, whatever. Um, Another weird thing with her was she didn't have children for 10 years into their wedding, like after they got married. Which is, yeah, right? It's very unheard of. I thought she had, like, um, like before she got married to him. I know, like, it took him a long time to conceive his son, but before, she was very, like, sexual in nature. Like, mm-hmm. especially, and she, like, conceived his son with a peasant, and, like, kid was, like, adopted yes. out to a peasant family. Yes. So, that's one of the propaganda possible stories. And it was after, I can't remember if it was, Right before she got engaged or right after she got married, that this happened. Uh, the fiancé or husband was in the picture. She was actually living in the family's castle when this happened. And he's gone. He's off fighting wars. He's yeah, five, six like years. Like, yeah. I'm Exactly. And um I mean she's young. I, I'm I'm thinking like fifteen or sixteen when this happened. It was like right it was very yeah. early. But that was one of the rumors. She was very promiscuous. Apparently her mother in law was awful. And I guess it would make sense if you accidentally get pregnant by a peasant. Because remember, peasants aren't people at this point. And I feel like that's a huge emphasis to kind of click in her brain to really not really make it okay but make it not as meaningful for what she did um but yeah she ended up having um several children eventually with the husband but only three of them made it to adulthood so i can't even imagine Infant mortality rate at this time sounds awful and horrific and sad. Um, and it's weird because one of her daughters becomes an accomplice later, which is a little weird. Um, but um, really, there's a lot of weird things that happen with her. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because that's what I do. So, uh, her husband is known as a national war hero. And I can't remember. He's like the Black Prince or something like that. He just went and slaughtered Turks. And he's just vicious and awful. And there's stories of him, like, dancing with the corpses of his enemies on the battlefield after kind of thing. And uh, him and his men playing catch and kickball with severed heads. And he's 
out there all by himself. Um, which becomes important later. Um, but one of the other theories behind why uh, Elizabeth Bathory started doing what she did was because she was so tortured at the hands of her husband. I mean, at this time, women are considered property of their husbands. You're allowed to be beaten and raped and tortured into submission for your husband. Um, I think it's about this time in England, they had to pass an ordinance that you couldn't beat your wife after 10 p.m. because it was keeping the neighbors up. What? Yup. I believe it's 10. It might be 9. I can't remember now. But it's just so commonplace. Um, so a lot of people theorize that's where her cruelty came from. Was she was... No. Hmm? theory that he actually introduced her so when they were like getting into it like he would actually torture people and bring her along and it kind of led to that obsession of like torturing people yes uh to me it's like well if your husband's horribly torturing you and you have no other outlet it makes sense (laughs) you're gonna torture people it's like the bully becoming the bully kind of thing so um just not trying to excuse any of what she did, but trying to, I guess, explain, if that makes sense. Still bad. No matter what, still bad. Um, but um, this I thought was interesting. So the first death of, of uh, was a servant girl about 1590. And um, they're still very religious people. And you still have to have a proper burial for your dead, no matter what. So when the servant girl died, the clergy was called in and he got there to give, you know, last rites kind of thing. And he thought it was really weird when he got there because the coffin was already nailed shut. Traditionally, she would be laid out on a bed and he could, you know, do the ceremony and everything. And then they would put her in the casket and take her away. And he's like, you know, this is weird. And he started to question it a little bit. And Elizabeth Bathory took her, took him aside and said, hey, um, we think it was cholera. And we don't want to freak out the other servants. So, you know, kind of try to keep it on the down low a little bit, please. And he was like, oh, makes sense. Cholera was like the consumption of its time. It just took out full populations. Um... I was gonna look. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was gonna look up death rates. I forgot, but um, it was very widespread. It was very high, especially among peasants, because the hygiene issue. It was bad. Like if you took a shower once a week, that's kind of a luxury, and um, taking care of you know, the excrement of your noble people who just, like, leave it in a cabinet. There's a reason why these things spread. That's like a thing. Like, most villages were buried, like, on top of a hill. Yes. And so, the excrement, like, rolled down the hills into rivers and drinking water. And that's one of the bases of eating, drinking fecal water, as cholera. Right? Um, And then also, I mean, there's a lot of mosquitoes and bugs around. 
it's not really swampy, but it's the best word I can come up with. So there's so many um, problems that stem from this. Um, the thing was, every time a servant girl died, they called the clergy to come and give them proper burials. Every time. So the next time, the same cler- cleric was called out, he got there, and it's a really big coffin nailed shut. And someone told them him there were three bodies in the coffin. And he goes to Elizabeth Bathory, and he's like, hey, uh, uh, what's going on? What? What the hell? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. There's only two. It's cholera again. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's just cholera. And, you know, this is a really prominent family. I mean, her husband's gone, fighting the wars. But there's these weird things that are happening, and people are starting to take notice. Yeah, this is really weird. Like, He's just like, this is strange. And he takes us to his superior and he's like, hey, something's going on here. And I don't know. Right? Like, it just kept happening. And uh, this one priest thinks he was out there at least 175 times. Giving last rites to these girls. Just girls. Young girls. Very few women at this point. So, you know, 30. Um, and it, ju- it just seemed like these girls were dropping quicker than the cholera in the town around them. So, this pre- you know, it just keeps happening. And there's this weird... There's all these stories among the servants and whispers... That there's this torture chamber in the middle of the house kind of thing. And, you know, eventually that story pours out into the local village. And they really can't figure it out. And it came to a head because this one priest, I believe his name was Benedict, uh, full on called out Elizabeth Bathory. At church, Sunday morning, while she's in the front row, and basically said, you need to let us exhume these bodies so we can prove what's happening to them. In the middle of the church service, he does this. Holy hell. Yes. And I'm like, you know, as I'm reading this or listening to this because it was a podcast, um, the balls on this guy. I mean, good for you, but... Damn. And she's horrified, of course, as anyone would be in such a public setting to be called out on a horrific crime, true or not. Um, So she ends up stomping out of there with her entourage and is basically saying, dude, I'm coming back for you. You know, bad things are going to happen to you. So... We go back into the weird religious issue at this point. Because Elizabeth is a Calvinist Protestant. The clergy at this time is all Catholic still. 
And the king of Hungary, the Habsburg family, is all Catholic. They're not a big fan of the Protestants in any way, shape, or form. But uh, the Bathory family, especially her husband, pays so much money to the church. And um, especially after this situation, suddenly there's huge donations to the church like every month or every year. I can't remember what it was. And suddenly the allegations disappear. And it's one of those weird things like, did he just pay them off? Which is what it very much sounds like. Um, yeah. And the priests, let's say they really did believe she was torturing these girls and wanted to help the girls and not just eliminate her as a political figure. Um, they couldn't because the husband, who basically loaned, owns all the land, I mean, they both do, but he's the husband, so, you know. Um, at this time, it's a thing. Um, he owns all this land that they're on. So basically, their homes, their churches are all owned by him. He's also a huge lender to the king of Hungary. Like, the king of Hungary is literally in debt to him. And once said that he could never afford to pay um, Count Frederick, which I forgot to say his name, Ferrick, Ferrick Bathory back. That's how in debt the Hungarian crown was to this family. So you really can't do much. It's like this weird stalemate of political powers at this point that kind of allow the situation to continue. Um, which I thought was fast. I love that stuff. Um, it's better than Game of Thrones. This is what they should do. Just saying. Um, and like Hungary, you're probably getting to it. It's one of those they all were kind of related to each other because the inbreeding thing. There, That's true. Yeah, there's there's like little things here and there, but there's not like a a big figure that I know of that stepped in to help her out. Um, there's like uncles here and there, but really it was her husband, Count Frederick Nagaski, because I forgot to say his name earlier. Sorry about that. Um, and it's funny because at this time she starts surrounding herself with really interesting people. And one of these, this person, this person, uh, her name was Anna. I can't say it with a Hungarian accent. I'm sorry. It's going to be Anna. Um, but she basically became the personal assistant to Bathory. And she was a peasant at first who got a job being a servant girl who kind of made her way up in the family, which is really rare. Like we talked about earlier, you are forever and always a peasant kind of thing. And she made it all the way to being a personal assistant and lived in the same personal residence of Bathory. They were that close. So that, you know, right there, there's a lot of rumors of two women living together. Oh, my God. They must be evil. Thanks, guys. Like, um, wasn't Anna married at one point? Her husband, like, was seriously disappeared. She became a widow. Maybe it was 
all the other people that ran with Valkyrie, but I think there was like a story. Um, I don't know. It may be the other, there's like two women that hung out with Valkyrie and one of their husbands like ended up, something weird happened. I don't know much about the other girl because I can't say her name at all. Um, so I didn't write her down. But I'm not sure with Anna. That That's cool. We're going to say that is Anna because that's really fun. Yeah, I can't remember, but uh, one of them was like Dorka. Uh, yeah, I can't say her name. I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, she also ran with Anne Bathory, but one of them was a widow. But their husband died under mysterious circumstances, and they probably took up with Anne Bathory. Yeah. You can't see it, but we're making quotation marks. No, I know yeah. one of the, the – there was, like, a group of, like, four. And one of them was they actually did. a guy. And they were all claimed to be torturing together. Yes. And being kind of – And it's really interesting with Anna. Um, she was the one that they said uh, actually taught the other servants and, you know, the little clique of torturers how to torture that was like oh. her thing and it is said that uh her favorite torturing was just to beat someone 500 times or until they died oh. yeah so um fun uh she is reportedly the one that had the idea for the servant girls to be virgins cuz they had not known love so nice and clean. And it said she is the one that designed the torture chamber. Which is really interesting going back to like her husband being a piece of shit. Um, he full on was complicit in all of this torture. He did stuff anytime he was home other than torturing his wife. He was torturing servant girls as well. But they did it. Full on in the courtyard um, where everybody could see it type of thing. And so it, the idea of a secret. It wasn't really a secret at all. Um, one of the stories uh, about the husband, what he did to one of these poor servant girls. Again, trigger warning. Um, if you're listening this far, it, it just goes downhill from here. Um, this poor girl, I can't remember what she did. She might not have done anything. Um, but she just somehow pissed him off and he forced her to strip naked in the middle of the courtyard. Uh, I believe it was like a really hot summery day. Cover her in honey and just forced her to stand there. And, you know... Horrible human temperatures. Sun just baking her. She's getting eaten alive by bugs, basically. She eventually passes out. And uh, Count Fierick, Frederick, it's not Frederick, but Fierick, um, shows his wife how to take pieces of oiled cloth and put it between the toes to set on fire to wake her up again to continue. So again, total piece of shit. <laughs> um, he also like some of the torture I heard and get trigger warning was like at one point they like 
put a servant, like, attach a servant to a horse and drag them through the snow. Yeah. And then when that didn't do the job, they also doused them in cold water until they froze to death. They did that a lot. There's a lot of just sticking a poor naked girl. Lots of naked girls. I'm going to throw that out there. Um, in all, a frozen river. Stripped. Hmm? They were all stripped down naked. Oh, okay. yeah. Everybody was naked. Um, but they would leave her in a creek up, like, up to her chest, basically, and just keep dousing her until she froze to death. Like, there's so many horror stories. Um, And one of the other things with the husband um, is that uh, he brought home a lot of techniques from the battlefield kind of thing and taught his wife. Um, Like, one of their favorite uh, things was the hook. Oh, okay. I'm going to go graphic. So, think like a meat hook. Basically, told Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But in medieval times, it's even worse. Because the way uh, this podcast made it sound, it's called the Serial Killer Podcast. He did an eight-episode thing on Elizabeth Bathory. Highly recommend. Um, so much research. Oh, my God. And he had so much first-hand um, documents of, like, he would read the witness statements kind of thing. And it's, it's just all awful. It's all awful. But basically what would happen on the hook, it would be almost like, the best way I could describe it is like a gazebo with several hooks. And they would string you up like hanging you. And while you're up there dangling, they would let, basically just let you drop. And wherever the hook caught you is where you would stay and sometimes they would leave you up there for days I know right when I was listening to that I'm like oh my whole lower back hurts yeah I'm just like I broke my shoulder blades right um another one I thought this was interesting um was the garrote you know regular um, famous with mobsters, wrap a string or a wire around somebody's neck and choke them kind of thing. Apparently, they also had a fun spin on that one where they would place, uh, let's say servant girl, against a pole with spikes on it, lean them against that, then wrap the garrote around them and tighten it. And as, you know, she's pulled into it, the spikes would go into her, and then if she convulsed, they would rip into her. Really, like, whoa, where, whoever comes up with this, you are, a, it, it's awful. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was insane. And according to reports, Bathory started out with her torture fairly simple, simple for torture, um, Poking, jabbing, I know, right? Quotation marks. Uh, Pinching, she was a really big fan of pinching there for a while. And then it escalated, like, exponentially. It just went insane. Um, I'm I'm picturing, like, obnoxious, like, grandma who's mad at you coming up and, like, getting you underneath your arm. Kind of thing, like the 
like right here and just pinching. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is. It's a grandma thing, and that that's what I thought of personally. Um, I don't know if that's it, but uh, that that's where my mind went. Uh, one of her favorite things, though, was uh, needles. She liked the the stabbing of the needles, especially underneath the nails. And there would be times she would have, like, seven needles under one fingernail before she cut the fingers off type of thing. Yeah, it, it just... Sucks. No, always bad. Always bad. And it's funny in the serial killer podcast, I feel like the guy, that's what he focused on, was just ugh, about the nail, the, the, the needle under the nail. It just made me laugh. Um, not laugh, but you understand. The other day, and I wonder my nail. I was like, mother. You can say it. It's okay. Yeah, I know. That's, that's how much it hurt. I couldn't say it. <laughs> um, so continue, Lion. Basically, the husband's an asshole. He ends up dying of this weird infliction. They're not even really 100% sure what it was. But, like, his legs just stopped working at one point. And then he got sick. And then he died. Didn't, like, uh, her husband, didn't they think, like, he didn't pay a harlot? And she, like, wounded him? That was, like, one of the stories I heard. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, like, Elizabeth Bell or something Benrick, I always say his name wrong. I do too. Yeah. Apparently, he didn't pay a harlot and she wounded him. And he ended up dying from those wounds. Oh, see, I like that story better. Yeah, this was just like he was stricken with this weird illness that he probably caught while at battles somewhere, whatever. And, and that was about it. To play a wound, but it was actually, like, I guess it's like the legend or like there's a propaganda that this is actually what happened he was sleeping around on his wife on the battlefields and he blamed it on the battle actually like got in trouble with a hooker i love that though i like that better personally we're, we're gonna go with that for the time being but then it makes me like dude you did all this shit on the battlefield and you died because you didn't pay someone like come on man up that's like the worst way to die like, right pay, pay your sisters i mean this is the guy who um uh, when he was still run around being Mr. Battlefield, uh, wouldn't pay the mercenaries. And mercenaries are funny. And this um, was weird in the podcast. Because I kept calling them his troops. They're not really his troops. They're paid for troops that happen to fight you and or fight for you. And they only fight for you as long as you pay them. So after whatever bot battle this is with the Ottoman Turks, uh, he didn't. He he decided not to pay these mercenaries, and they basically said, "Okay, cool. Uh, we're gonna riot and take over this town, and you can't do anything about it." Well, him and his troops went in and basically just slaughtered them. What? It's like the original come at me, bro. It is. It, it, it didn't work well for them. And at all. It was bad. So it was just it was just this really weird situation. 
just full brutality everywhere you look. So at this point, you know, he dies. And remember, he's a war hero that kept all these people at bay. Suddenly he's gone. All these people are back to causing trouble again. And especially on the nobles' property, because the servants are everywhere, are starting to kind of rise up again, like they had done 30, 40 years earlier. Um, uh, the Catholic Church is starting to seize property of Protestants and Calvinists, but they were always protected because he was such a war hero. Well, he's dead. Suddenly, uh, Elizabeth is losing all of that protection she had. And there's this weird skirting line. They don't want to take all the property from her because her husband was a war hero for the country. That looks bad. But she's also possibly crazy and torturing young girls. So it's this weird back and forth. And it continues to be this weird back and forth. Um, But just not as much now that the husband's dead. And this is the time when people start really seeing their chance. So she ends up, again, she uh, uh, is property rich. She doesn't have a whole lot of capital, money or anything. So she starts selling a couple castles trying to, to save what little bit she has of herself. Um, also at this point, um, uh, the local peasants who are Protestant are rebelling against the Catholic church and the royalty who are catholic and it becomes this thing which side should she side with should she side with the peasants because she's protestant or should she stay with the church or i'm sorry the royal family because she's noble she ends up picking the royal family and this just obviously enrages everyone around her all all the local villages and everything those priests are kind of going hey do you remember these stories we had of her torturing young girls from before you know we're not getting that money from the the husband anymore the the money from the church is all or uh, for the royal family is gone he's dead so the debts are gone she is in this really weird tight place and this is when it seems like her mental Stability, if you can call it that at this point, is gone. This is when the torturing starts really happening. Like, even worse than this. About, I can't remember if it was a month or a year after her husband died, her brother died. And this is, you know, the sexual deviant brother running around the village naked. She, on the... Huh? I said, I don't want to be his friend. I don't want to be his friend. On her way, she so she went to the funeral, of course. Uh, but on her way home from the funeral, she was riding home in the carriage with two servant girls. And apparently she just went into a rage and just beat the shit out of these girls. Just torture them fierce. They both ended up dying of their injuries on a carriage ride kind of thing. There's a story of her just drowning a nobleman's daughter, little daughter. Like, I think under eight. She starts 
losing it. Um, and this is the time when uh, a servant girl did something wrong and Bathory just basically bitch slaps her as hard as she possibly can, splattering blood everywhere, including Elizabeth's face. And as she's cleaning off the blood from her face, she sees her skin suddenly more rejuvenated. And this is where the bathing in blood starts. Because she's starting to worry about her look. She's not the cute young thing anymore. She's getting older. Her husband's dead. She doesn't really know what to do with herself. She's only in her 40s. Which seems insane. That age frame, actually. What? That's pretty old for that time frame. It is. That's the thing. Most people didn't live past 50. Which is fun, because one of the priests later on is actually in his 90s. (laughs) It's like, how? How? But whatever. So yeah, she's starting to kind of, you know, lose it. And now, suddenly, there's a way to make her young and beautiful again. It's kind of a big, exciting deal. Um, So... The local servant girls, they're, especially, it starts in her house, the ones who are already working there, and then it starts kind of reaching out to the local areas. And, again, it's peasants. At the time, their property, no, nobody's too worried. What? She's been doing this essentially for 20 years and never yes. been caught. So crazy. Uh, Yeah. It's 1590 to 1610, I believe, is the exact date, or the exact years. So, yeah. And it's one of those, it's been reported, but nothing has been done because they're just peasants. And she realizes, remember, she's noble blood. What helps noble blood? Noble blood! Going back. To all that fun stuff. So she starts targeting noble daughters. And she basically starts a finishing school is the best way I can describe it for noble girls. So people are just sending their daughters to her to teach them how to be a good countess like she is. And all she's doing is torturing and beating and killing these girls. There's stories of, again, the needles under the fingernails or just being stabbed. Like, she just loved taking needles and just stabbing things. And uh, she got really into piercing things, especially, like, lips. Uh, There's one story of a young girl, I think she was supposed to be 13, that spoke out and said something when she wasn't supposed to and got her mouth sewn shut. And then when um, she cried out, she basically pulled some of the stitches and they restitched it. Um, There's stories of the girls that if the ironing wasn't right or the trim wasn't sewn on right, she would attack them with needles. She really liked needles. Um, 
I mean, I probably know a lot of dominatrix that are feeling that same thing right now. Right? I mean, I, I, I don't judge any kind of fetish or anything like that, just as long as it's consenting adults and there's not consenting or adults. There's that the girls had their hands bound so tight that they basically lost circulation and their hands were white and blue and bleeding from the fingertips. And they were just left like that. There were girls who were like that, but then hung from hooks by their hair in the window. She was really into flogging and beating with crops and whips. She liked burning with hot irons and candles. There's really horrific uh, sexual abuse stories with hot irons. I'll let you fill, fill in the rest there. Um, even I'm not going to go into that right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you off camera. But I figure you could figure it out. Chunks of skin would be ripped off their bodies, especially in the back, um, with pliers. And then there were times that they would cut flesh off the body, especially in like the buttocks or like stomach regions, thighs, that kind of thing. Cook it. And then feed it back to the girls. Like they were fed their own flesh kind of thing. So, again, these are all noble girls. They also had like a, it was almost like a bear trap. But it was like on a stick and they would take, they would rip women's breasts off of it. Yes. That's a thing. It makes me hurt just thinking about it. Speaking of, I forgot this, um, the husband at one point brought her home a present that he found. It was basically like a knife glove, like one of the claw things. That's a historical thing. I'm like, I didn't know that. That's cool. Not that either. It's almost like a Freddy, she's the original Freddy Cougar. Exactly. Um, okay, I'm like, just imagine that. Um, and then all I, all I can think of is Lady Gaga on American Horror Story with that really cool, gorgeous one. Oh. Like, ouch! Right? Like, the whole thing is horrific. And again, this is all noble girls. So, you can't really hide that. And at this point, you know, when she calls the cleric to be like, hey, we have a, a dead girl, do you want to come bury? They're like, what the hell's going on? And what family is this a part of? We need to contact the family. And she's like, no, we can't do that. And they're like, no, we can't bury this body. They're not really wanting to, like, sneak out and bury them because that's just wrong. That's where they draw the line, which is very strange to me. And eventually it gets to the point where they start hiding the bodies because they're desperate at that point. Uh, There is a story of them burying the bodies in the courtyard, but they didn't bury them very well and the dogs found them after a rainstorm and just carried body parts all over the castle. It happens quite a bit, it seems like. Yes, I've it does. In New Orleans, whenever like, Hurricane Katrina came, dogs were bringing bones. Yep. Bones. It's, it's a thing. Um, your dogs will be your demise. I blame my cats. But, um... It, it's, I see your cat guy. Right? Thank you. But... Stories of the girl and supposedly witnesses to this. They're they're really kind of getting scared about what that. What are they going to tell people? So Elizabeth comes up with this idea 
the story becomes one of the girls in the the Finnishy school. I think they call it the Gynosinum. Gynosinum. Totally butchering it. This girl went and killed all the other girls because she wanted their jewelry. And when, and and this is what's so weird. When she's the last girl, and it is found out what she did, she's the last girl. It's kind of, you know, whatever. Uh, she ends up killing herself. So this is the story they tell the noblemen so they can get the girls buried. And the the families are like, there's no way in hell. Are you serious? Like, there would be uncles, brothers that would show up at her castle and be like, I want to see such and such. And she'd be like, nah. Sorry, bro. Not happening. She just would not let people in the castle. Uh, there was one story where an uncle went to try to get his niece back. Uh, Bathory just refused to let him take the niece. And he ended up, she's like, can I at least just see her? I just want to know she's alive. And she, she's like, of course she's alive. Why wouldn't she be alive? What are you talking about? Sure. Uh, we're leaving right now. You could see her walk by. Just how weird. She's not even letting, you, you can see her walk by kind of thing. It's very strange. But this girl walked by and doesn't even look like herself. Then crying, like too terrified to look up and even see her uncle. And the uncle's like yelling at her, trying to get her to pay attention. She just will not look up. And at one point he's like yelling at the carriage to stop and trying to get nothing. Uh, You know, same thing. A brother showed up trying to get his sister out. And, you know, two months later she's dead. Happened quite a bit. And these complaints eventually got back to the king. Remember, Catholic, not in debt to the family anymore. Can actually do something. And, you know, sent in people to actually investigate. And she ended up being arrested. Uh, When she was arrested, December 17, 1610, she was sitting at her dinner table, having dinner by herself, according to the story. And these guys come in, and they're like, we need to search your house. And she's like, whatever, fuck you. I'm going to sit here and keep eating dinner. Well, as they're searching, they come across one dead girl. They continue searching, find another dead girl. Continue searching, and they find the servants torturing the girls in the secret chamber kind of thing. And then they found more about it. And it just kept going and going. And I believe one of the girls that they found being tortured at the time died. And the other one was maimed forever. So yeah, she ended up being taken into custody. Um, at her trial, there's 306 dispositions read against her. But only eight of them were actually witnesses to the torture Which is interesting. So a lot of the stories were, well, I heard this story about her. And, like, that's a lot of the priest stories were, oh, I heard this from so-and-so kind of thing. And it was a lot of word of mouth. He said, she said, rumors. Exactly. Her accomplices, um, Anna, by this point, isn't really dead. 
she, uh, she, I take that back. Anna is dead. She had a stroke several years before and had become basically useless to her. And, oh, I want to go into this because this is like my favorite. But around this time, Elizabeth gets really into witchcraft as well, according to legend. And not really, I think a lot of it is just not trusting the local physicians type of thing. Any man in power, I think she had an issue with after a certain point, which don't blame her with her history. But she started really consulting the local forest witches. And one in particular, can't say her name, um, became a, a lady steward of the castle. And this pissed off the clergy so much, not necessarily because she was a witch and doing potions and spells for Bathory. They were really upset she was a peasant who was given a noble position that should have went to somebody else. Which I think is funny. Priorities. Um, But after Anna had a stroke, this woman became her closest advisor and would help with the torture and uh, that sort of thing. It's interesting, the night before her arrest... Wasn't it just, like, her, um, her children's wet nurse, wasn't it? Uh, there's two women convicted of witchcraft, and, like, that they assume was afflicting Elizabeth. They kind of put it on a peasant, not Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth! The name we can't say, like, Dorcas. I think she goes by Dorcas. Um, it's like Dorothy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Something Hungarian. Uh-huh. But then the ones like Helena Joe, which was like the wet nurse, who was also accused of being in conspiracy as a witch. I mean, everybody, if you're a woman, you were accused of witchcraft. And that was one of the reasons why they killed Anne Boleyn, for God's sakes. Um, but this one I know for sure isn't the wet nurse because she came in later in life. Like, she came in about this time. So I know it's not her, but I'm not totally surprised. Um, Everyone. Right? Everybody was. Um, But yeah, they just kept uh, finding things. Oh, that's what I was saying. Uh, The night before she was arrested, they went out and did a spell by Moonlight trying to protect her. And it's interesting, in the the Serial Killer podcast, I can't remember what episode it is, um, he reads the whole spell. And it's calling on the clouds to help. And uh, cats to help. And it's like the most witchy thing you've ever read. It's really, it's really fun. It's like the original, like, naked girls dancing in a wood. Exactly. And that's all I could picture. Uh, one of the people that first testified against her, or one of the ones that actually testified against her, was the first cleric that was out there being like, wait a minute, not cholera. Woman, one plus one is not equal four, or something's going on. Exactly. Um, he knew of at least 175 girls that he was out, called out to bury. And that was still fairly early on, because they replaced him after a while, because he kept talking. Uh, he also testified to seeing a blood stain on the wall once. Uh, and also being... Once at the castle and hearing somebody get lashed, you know, full-on lashing in the courtyard, that lasted six hours. 
I'm like, I, I don't know how that's physically possible. But it happened, apparently, according to this guy. Uh, another priest. Yeah, this Exactly. That, that, I'm like, I hate to be that person, but I'm like, how common was this already, though? I, I'm not sure if this is the 90-year-old priest. It might be, but it's another, if not, another priest. Testified that he knew of at least, oh, I'm sorry, over 200 deaths, closer to 300. Some people estimate it's up close to 600. Yeah. Over a 20-year span. That's true. It's 20 years, and she was doing this quite frequently. And this is like, that's like 30 girls a year, if I did math right. That's still a lot. Um, So she ended up being imprisoned in December in 1610. Uh, I'm going to screw it up. In the castle of Circe. In the Carpathian Mountains which is now uh, Slovakia. She is held during her trial in the dungeon of her own castle where these girls were held. And um, because she's of noble birth, they really can't put her to death because that goes against everything they stand for. So they decided to give her life imprisonment, which, you know... Middle Evil Ages are never so simple. They base, they literally walled her up. They, they had a masonry come out and brick up the dungeon where she was. Except for one small little hole that they could pass food and then she could pass excrement out. And that was it. And she lived like that, I think, another two, three years before she passed. I thought it was really interesting. Apparently, uh, throughout her life, she was a very notable writer, which is, again, weird in a woman. Um, But at this point, her daughter would bring her in um, paper and parchment, just let her write, and she would write, and then her daughter would come back and she would give her the papers, um, which I think you can still find. I think they ended up in a in a church and document. I'm like, I really want this. Oh, right. Eventually, she ran out of paper, and the story goes she just started writing on the walls. I'm like, I want to go to that place because that sounds fascinating. Uh, she never admitted to anything. She always said it was Anna or one of the other peasant people. She never did anything. And it was unfair, her treatment, and it was all a conspiracy against her. And she ended up dying in a hole in the dungeon. And that is the story. Like, when she was first getting caught, or, like, the noticing, she was blaming on other people. Yeah! And so, like, people got rushed trials, and, like, mm-hmm. uh... Oh, the three of the people that were convicted that were under her that she was like, oh, it was all them, it was all them, it was all them, you know? Because she's noble, they're peasants, so it's easier exactly. to dispose of. And, like, one of the punishments that some of the people that were convicted underneath her, like, her friends, like, her conspirators,
to like her her posse of people because she yeah. had, like she just threw them up in the bus. Because I know some of them were hung, but it's the medieval ages. Everything was extra. Oh, yeah. Some were hung. Some were fingers ripped off and put in Christian blood and burned to death at the stake. That's so weird. They were considered witches. So the ones that were considered witches were the ones that were, like, burned at the stake. And that and that's uh, I think an important thing with like the propaganda and everything, witches, vampires, werewolves. They all go hand in hand. If you are a questionable person, you are one or all three of those things. That's just how it was. Uh, on the the serial killer podcast, they talked about a book uh, written in the I want to say eighteen nineties about lycanthropy and I want to find the Victorian werewolf novel or book because it's supposed to be stories of this and Elizabeth Bathory is in it oh really and not really you know saying she's a werewolf or anything but it's like hey this one chick totally you know would bathe in blood and blood is the thing that makes people crazy kind of thing so just fascinating so that. That's my story with uh, uh, Elizabeth Bathory. Um, so, thank you, Rain of the Dallas Vampire Court, for coming in and educating us on vampirism and everything that goes along with it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm always happy to talk the vampire talk. Wonderful. And then I'll add all of your social media links and... You can find her there. Is there uh, anything you want to tell everybody ahead of time to look for or closing thoughts? What? Closing thoughts. Favorite vampire quote. Yeah, I just, at the end of the day, be open-minded and be a decent human being. And if you can't have a good day, don't fuck up someone else's. Words to live by right there. Thank you guys so much. Greatly appreciate all of you. And there you have it. The end of the Vampire Trilogy. A huge thank you to my dearest Rain for being on the show. Recently, Rain and her fiancé Mike stepped down as the queen and king of the Vampire Court of Dallas because they thought it was important to get new people in there and not just to run it forever. I just wanted to say Rain will always be a queen. And Mike a king, I guess, in my eyes. The Vampire Court of Dallas is still running their project Semi-Fang, which is all about being an ally to those who have lost loved ones to suicide or have battled with suicide thoughts themselves. Please remember you are loved. And if you are struggling and need someone to talk to, there is always someone at the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you so much again for listening to another episode of My Haunted Life Podcast. You are one lovely, badass human. I appreciate you so much. If you like the show, please rate and review me on your favorite podcast apps. 
It goes a long way to helping other people find me. I also have the Facebook group that's pretty active. I also have a Patreon if you really want to support the show and help me decide on future episodes. This is definitely a passion project for me. If you want to see the podcast continue, or I guess uh, technically hear it continue, please consider contributing to my Patreon. You can help out for as little as $2 a month. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time.